0: Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 162 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you all for being here. Thanks to everyone for the kind comments I've been getting recently. I was um, playing a charity tournament about a week ago, and someone told me that they fall asleep every night to my voice. (laughs) So either I'm boring or they're learning a lot from the podcast. I'm not too sure which. Um, Speaking of learning from me, If you have not already, check out my new book, Mastering Small Stakes, No Limit Hold'em. It is a very large, in-depth guide on beating No Limit Hold'em. Not necessarily only small stakes. So check it out. It is a a long read, but I am very confident that if you study it diligently, you will almost certainly be one of the best players in your game. So you can get that at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash mastering. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Today we have a hand that should be a lot of fun. We have an ace and a king. It's always good to start with an ace and a king. Especially suited. Especially on the button. We're playing 200-400 with about 100 big blind effective stacks. I raise to 1,000. Tight aggressive kid in the small blind makes it 3,500. So the first thing we want to ask ourselves is, do we want to 4-bet this? And I'm a pretty big fan of 4-betting a lot of hands in this spot. This is a scenario where the tight aggressive kid should be... 3-betting a decent amount. I mean, he may be 3-betting his entire range. We actually talk about this in Mastering Small Stakes, No Limit Hold'em, about how from the small blind against good players, quite often you don't even want to have a calling range in the small blind. You just want to 3-bet everything because you're out of position and being out of position is tough. So you need to be the aggressive player to give yourself fold equity. Um, so if my opponent's 3-betting a lot, that should make me want to 4-bet a lot. So if I'm going to 4-bet with a lot of hands like 7-4 suited, for example, or 8-6 suited... If I want to be 3-betting with a lot of bluffing-type hands, then I need to also 3-bet with a decent amount of value hands so that I'm not just bluffing way too often, assuming we're trying to be balanced, which may or may not be the case, but it probably is against a tight, aggressive kid. So in this scenario, I'm definitely going to 4-bet this. I'm always going to be 4-betting here with probably queens and better and ace-king almost every time. And quite possibly with ace-queen, quite possibly with jacks and tens, depending on how many bluffs I want to have. As you want to bluff more with more hands, you also want to make sure you're value betting more, assuming you're trying to not be too exploitable by your opponent, just realizing, oh, this guy's bluffing a lot, so I can go all in. So anyway, I'm going to re-raise. I'm going to make it about 7,500 here most of the time. I do 7,600, and that seems great. All right, flop comes 5, 3, 2, all diamonds. This is an interesting spot. Normally you can bet the ace king here and just be fine playing for most of the money if there is no flush draw on the board. Or if there is a if there's not three to a flush on the board. Here, yet it's important to understand we could just be against you know seven, six of diamonds and, and be dead, right? If instead it was five, three, two, one diamond or two diamonds, you can bet with this hand and actually have a lot of equity against almost everything. The only time you're in bad shape is when your opponent has exactly a set or aces or kings. And it's pretty hard to have a set in this spot given the small blind 3-bet, which, again, some people 3-bet everything. Some people call with specifically small pairs and whatnot. So maybe those don't even exist in our opponent's range. And when you're against a hand like 9s here, you have uh, 6 outs to top pair, and then you have 4 outs to a straight. So you have 10 outs. And 10 outs is actually a pretty good draw. So... This is normally a spot where it comes three low cards that you can be happy enough playing for a lot of money with Ace King, especially if your opponents will be willing to bluff with stuff like Ace Queen and Ace Jack and Ace 10. Thinking sort of the same thing that you know, like if they get it all in, it's not that big of a deal because they have the overcards, but in that spot, they're just dominated. Okay, so anyway, on this board, when there are three diamonds, I think you actually have to be much more cautious. And that's just because if your opponent has any diamond, he's never folding to a bet. And now if we get raised, we have to fold. We can't really play for all the money anymore because now we could just be stone dead. And if our opponent does have a hand like Ace of Diamonds, Jack of Clubs, he's not making a horrible mistake by getting it all in. So in this scenario, I think we either need to bet small or check depending on what we think about our opponent's range. So if we think our opponent's range is really wide and we think he's not going to be check raising us very often on the flop, I'm fine with a small bet here, something like 5,000. If you think your opponent's going to be check-raising you a lot, well, then you certainly just want to check behind because then you... Our hand, it does have some equity, right? It's not like we're just stone dead very often unless we're against exactly a flush. But flushes should be a somewhat small part of our opponent's range. If you think about it, most people are only 3-betting from the small blind with their reasonable hands. And that's going to be, like, well, all the pseudodases, so there actually are a lot of those. A lot of flushes and that range, then we have ace, then we have king queen, king jack, king ten, basically all the broadway suited diamond hands, and then we have some of the suited connectors, but it's not like it's every possible suited hand, Um, so anyway, this is a spot where I'm usually just going to check, and we're probably going to call on a decent amount of turns, depending on how the action goes, if our opponent bats, if our opponent checks the turn, we're probably just going to keep checking, all right. On the turn, we get the ace. Our opponent bets 8,000. So this is a dicey spot because, well, first off, you want to ask yourself, why would my opponent bet on an ace given when I check back the flop, I should have a lot of aces. I really should have a lot of aces here. So if I have a lot of aces, why is my opponent betting? Well, it's because he's not afraid of the ace. (laughs) And if he's not afraid of the ace, then this is, my my hand's not nearly as strong as it appears, right? Um, You want to ask yourself, does your opponent have very many fours in their range? Probably not, right? Most people don't three bet with hands containing a four. So four is somewhat unlikely. But again, all the flushes are available. And um, it's tough to know if your opponent will bet with a hand like king of diamonds, queen of spades. Some people will, some people won't. Uh, This is a cool spot, though, if you think about it from the opponent's point of view, because he really should not get raised on this turn very often at all. So that's just because I probably don't have very many flushes. And if I do have a flush... I'm not going to raise him because I want to keep the opponent betting because he's drawing almost dead going to the river, right? So my opponent can bet this turn a lot and not fear being raised at all. So it's a pretty nice spot to consider betting with some of your draws, whereas in other spots you have to be a little bit more cautious with your draws because if you bet and get raised, you may have to fold, and you certainly don't want to fold. A good draw. So cool spot. I I think I need to call here, though. If, If I'm folding this hand, I'm folding pretty much everything besides... Hands with a diamond. You know, maybe I have enough hands containing a diamond to justify folding this immediately. <sighs> you got to think what is the bottom of your range, right? And if I'm checking back the flop with hands like Jack's, which I may or may not do, then clearly those hands are going to be nearly the bottom of our range, right? But if I'm betting all of my overpairs on the flop, then those don't exist in my range, so what is the bottom of my range going to the turn? Well, it's these weird top pair hands, and I'm not gonna say we should ever fold this, but I think it's a lot closer than it may appear just because this is a card our opponent really should not bet very often unless they have a draw or a strong made hand, and we actually are not in great shape against the strong made hands, so we have a bluff catcher, but I think it may actually be a lot weaker than it appears just because we could be against a flush and we could be against a four anyway. I call because I'm a calling station, apparently. Rivers, a king. An opponent goes all in. Same story <laughs> as the previous street. Uh, we have a good hand, but will our opponent ever value bet ace, queen, or ace five? I'd venture to say no, right? So if they're not going to value bet ace, king, or, or ace, queen, or ace five, what are they betting with? Well, they're betting with a straight. I think everyone's betting with a straight here. And he's going to bet with a flush. I think everyone's betting with flushes here. So if he's betting with all those hands, we want to ask ourselves, Do or does our opponent have very many bluffs in his range? Well, first off, if he has King of Diamonds, Queen of Spades, he may just check the river. I don't see a reason to turn that hand into a bluff at this point because that hand actually has a decent amount of showdown value because I could very easily have jacks with the Jack of Diamonds or something like that. So... Will he bluff with the Queen High Flush Draw, Queen of Diamonds, Jack of Clubs? I don't know. <laughs> Will your opponent bluff in the first place, right? A lot of players are just not capable of bluffing on the river. I mean, maybe they're capable, but they just don't do it very often. And that's certainly something you'll see when you play tournaments where people really don't want to go broke. The stuff like the World Series of Poker main event or tournaments like the Monster Stack World Series of Poker event where people come in for just that one tournament, they really want to do well. Um, This is a spot where I think you have a pretty easy fold. But against a strong player, I think you need to be much more inclined to call. I don't think you should expect your opponent to think we're going to call very much on this river. Just because if you think about our range, it should be some aces like ace-king and ace-queen. ace Queen's ace, queen, certainly unhappy. Um, it should be hands like maybe pocket jacks with a jack of diamonds. That's also really unhappy. So I can't call that often here. So I don't know. It's a weird, weird spot where I understand that I can't call very often here or I should not be calling very often here. But at the same time, It's also a spot where I don't think my opponent's just going to mindlessly bluff off his stack. So, if my opponent's range should be strong, clearly I need a very strong hand to call. And I don't think ace-king is quite it. But, gosh, I hate folding. (laughs) Let's see what I do. Alright, I do call. Because, like I said, I hate folding. And he had the king-queen of diamonds. So, just flop me dead. And I think my opponent played his hand well. Think about... How this hand went down, right? I raised pre-flop. He three-bet. Like I said, he's probably three-betting his whole range, so this is fine. He has to call the four-bet. This hand's way too good if he's three-betting his whole range to fold before the flop. Flop the nuts. Check, check. I say the nuts. It's the effect of nuts. I understand that it's not the actual nuts. Um, Check, check, flop. Turn was the ace, and he decides to bet. And this is a good bet because whenever he checks, I'm going to check behind with all my pocket jacks, and with ace-king, I may actually check behind. So good bet on the turn and then on the river I mean how are you going to get value I'm certainly not betting the river very often if he checks to me so the opponent has to shove so the opponent played great and I got punished for being a calling station so that's gonna be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand I hope you enjoyed it again check out Mastering Small Stakes No Limit Hold'em you can get it at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash mastering um, let me know what you think leave a review for it and also if you have time leave a review for this podcast on iTunes if you listen to it there, or if you don't listen to it there, leave a review anyway, because that helps more people find this podcast. It takes a decent amount of time, even though I know they're kind of short, but there is one every week, and it would be nice to get high up in the poker rankings. So please do that for me. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you all next week.